Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snack Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Where is the wise man? Where is the scholar? Where is the philosopher of this age? All right, welcome on back to another edition of the Baltimore Beatdown podcast. It is Thursday night, June 9th. You know what that means? Six nine. Six nine, six nine, six nine. Huge. That's this is big for us. In the stew on six nine. Thursday night. My name is Jake Luke. I'm joined on my screen by uh, Spencer Nathaniel Schultz, who's uh, had you know it, it's been a tough been a tough go for him the past week or so. He's uh, it's been you know an Odysseus type run for you. How, how are things going, bud? Spenny hamstring. I uh, completely tore my hamstring in Nash Vegas. Went for a bachelor party with twenty other dudes, which is just as many as could possibly ever be on one trip for anything. And it was for a bachelor party. Uh, it was like my, I think it was my fourth time in Nashville and nothing bad has happened to me. So even the rule of threes didn't apply. And the fourth time I go, or maybe it did in the opposite, but fourth time I go first night out, we're at honky tonk central. And I uh, have my phone, my debit card and my credit card stolen instantly. Can't find the location on them. Luckily I still have my, I have my little side wallet. I split things up usually. Uh, when I, especially when I go on trips, so I have my license and like two other like frivolous credit cards that I don't really use. But so I had to, uh, to spend the weekend with a, a torn hamstring, no cell phone and just living life. And then I ended up in uh, Nashville airport, didn't have my confirmation. I actually got locked out of my Gmail, got locked out of my iCloud, got locked out of my bank account, um, locked out of everything because everything has two factor authentication on and I couldn't access my cell phone. So a nice little, a nice little, uh, whirling dervish of fuck modern technology. If something like this happens, just absolutely weighing me down. So it's been a, a tough go. I had a brief scare that my buddy, my other buddy's bachelor party that I'm going on next week to the outer banks, uh, was this week. And I had a weird little snafu that thought made me think that I was basically about to come home and then have to leave again on Wednesday. And I, didn't I took off work for next week, took off work, had everything planned for next week. And for some reason, a buddy said something that sounded weird to me that made me think we were leaving this Wednesday. And so I had a full-blown panic attack about that. Ended up not being true. But here we are. Hammy, Hammy's on the mend. I'm bruised from my butt to my knee. I'm, uh, I'm broken. I'm beaten. But I'm not damned. I'm 
I'm on the mend. I'm on the up and up. It's 6'9". I'm a bad boy, and I'm, I'm ready to roll. No hamstring, no cell phone, no serotonin, just vibes. Just vibes. Serotonin, serotonin staying high. Okay, good. I'm glad. I'm able, I think I'm able to squeeze and pump serotonin out. Like, if I bear down, I can get a little to flow. If I if I had been you, that that would have been just panic city. I I would not have been. You're you're a stronger man than me, is what I'm trying to say. I put a smile on. I was definitely having some some panic attacks, but uh, there's not many lower moments than being in the Nashville International Airport at 9 a.m. with no confirmation code on a Sunday morning and uh, sitting there alone with no cell phone. Dude, that's got to be a tough a scene of like one o'clock people flight. watching too. Like you got to think that's a lot of people just like wearing their honky tonk shirts and everybody's got the scary cowboy hats. Everybody's got pink cowboy hats, cowboy hats in the Over airport. Expensive, like hats at the Everyone's room. reminiscing. You know, we had a great weekend. I was the only person flying back to DC uh, from the group. So I'm just sitting there by myself, just wallowing in a, in a very stinky Shiatsu massage chair at my gate. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> Yeah, you, you gave me some of the particulars before we got going here. And let me just say, it's uh, that's wild, man. Uh, I, you know, I've only been on one bachelor party so far, and I think I went out of my way to avoid a situation like that. I'm sure it's coming for me at some point and uh, not looking forward to it. It's, it's, it is what it is. You just got to gotta Velcro your shoes, you know, lace up those uh, those Nike mid calves, those, those dad jorts, shoestring belt, nice polo, T-shirt tucked in. And slick that hair back, put those, put those uh frameless glasses on and just just dad it out. You gotta just spike, do it. Spike just up blonde hair, little bitty jeans, chicken spaghetti, exactly. chickalinis. Exactly. People can change. Uh okay, yeah. Well, I mean <laughs> so you you had that going on. Uh it's been a been a little while since you've been on the pod. I think you we, did you miss last week? How's everything else been going? Everything's all right, everything's okay. I was uh I was in Ocean City prior to that for Memorial Day. Went to Secrets three days in a row and had a great time all th- all three times. During the did nothing you know bad happened. Too? I wasn't too drunk. Went went over to Belly Busters. Got a, a half bushel of crabs after Secrets on Saturday Memorial Day weekend, and uh, got some crabs for the lads and the la- the ladies, and then uh, enjoyed myself. Had a nice weekend. So if you're able to go, admit I figured it all out. I figured it all out. If you go to Secrets three days in a row and nothing bad happens to you, that is like. Stranger things, the upside down is coming. The clock's going to start ticking. You're going to get ripped through. So I know. I know what I did wrong. I abused the system. I did that I, uh, I did that two years ago because it was it just rained every day. So you're like, all right, well, we just, you know, we'll just go to the bar literally every day and then just get drunk at night. And it, yeah, it was that was the first year back from COVID. This year, a little more low-key. We did Fager's Thursday night, which was a little bit of a wild line, but we just kind of like settled into it because it's like where you know you go somewhere else, you're gonna. I didn't even know you were in Ocean City. No, yeah, I was. We were uh, staying in Westo at a a college friend's place, and so we went to Fagers on Thursday night, waited in line, and we had the uh, the providence to bring a box of White Claw with a sword of twisted teas and whatnot to you know be in the line with. And let's. I even have a bar for the line, but I went there on New Year's this year to get a gold card, and on Thursday I went there, and it was like an hour long line. So I go waltzing up there, strutting, strutting my stuff, thinking I'm going to skip this line. And they're like, sorry, we're not taking those tonight. And I was like, get me out of here. That's kind of funny. Yeah, no, we had people that did. And we were just like, yeah, you know, we'll just, we, we sent, <laughs> we sent my buddy Adam. It's just like, if you know him, you know, this is like the perfect role for him to like run to this nearby, like 7-Eleven or something. He just got like a pack of White Claw and Twisted Tea. We just, we were just in line, just drinking, uh, just assorted seltzers and Twisted Teas and, uh, you know, being the life of the party. It was great. And, you know, we did that. 
Second night, we did a little dinner, then some fishtails. And then the last night, uh, which was Sunday night, we just stayed in and watched some basketball. It was, it was delightful. It was probably one of the more low-key but very fun, uh, you know, a nice combination there of Memorial Day weekend. Did a pool day on that Sunday. It was just, it was, it was great. Love to hear that. Love to hear that. Uh, I just watched Hustle, Adam Sandler's movie, starring every NBA player. That's and good man, it was really good. I was... I'm probably going to ruin your expectations because I was like, this will probably be average. This will probably be average above average. But man, it was really good. I really enjoyed myself. Peaky Blinders comes out, I think, tonight at midnight, season six. A lot of, a lot of good viewing. Barry been out right now. A lot of good viewing going on right now. God, Barry's been good. I got I to gotta get back on it. I, I probably am like two or three episodes back, but it's been uh, that, oh my. It's been quite a watch. It's a little a little dark for young Jakey boy's taste, but uh, that's usually some of the best stuff. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's... It's been great so far, and uh, yeah, that's that's one thing that I definitely need to jump back in on. Um, and then, yeah, these uh, these NBA finals have actually been pretty good too. I haven't been paying as much attention to NBA the last couple of years as I've wanted to, but uh, yeah, this year has been uh, kind of compelling, especially with uh, all the <laughs> all the uh, the language talk going on the last you know twenty four hours or so. That's been a lot of fun to to follow. Uh, good, good final so far. I thought uh, I thought Warriors are going to take the series easily, but Boston is uh, too athletic, too long, giving them some trouble. They got a lot of length for sure. Uh, okay, so I guess that uh, I guess that fully catches us up. You got anything else before we uh, jump into the show proper here? Just make sure you have insurance on your phone, folks. It saved my life. That's all. Yeah, true. I mean, make sure. Make sure you do a lot of things before you go on a 20-guy bachelor party in Nashville. I've never even done it, and uh, you know that's that's a scene that uh, you might not walk back from. And if you do, you might be without a phone and without a hamstring. Uh, so there you yeah, go. I, I, I guess, that's, guess that's all we got for our 10-minute opener here. Um, so yeah, it is, it's 6-9, early June, beginning of summer. Uh, we've got mandatory mini camps coming up. Is Lamar Jackson going to be in attendance? Who knows? I guess we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit because we did want to I guess do a little bit of a uh, positional roundup. Go through each and every one of these posi- positions over the next couple weeks for the sake of doing it, for the sake of giving the show a little bit of structure as we move forward here. Um, yeah, so I guess we can start with quarterback. How are you feeling about the quarterback position right now? Oh, horrible, uh, to be honest. Don't feel good. I feel like there is uh, something something strange has been brewing for quite some time. I think we saw me have a little mini panic attack during the draft. Um, I do think Lamar Jackson does show up to mandatory OTAs. I think the man likes his money. I think he'll be there. Um, I don't know what the hell is going on with him and his potential contract, whatever that is. We all know how much I hate quarterback contract talk, but it's a very odd situation and it feels like the Ravens are handicapped in in some ways, and I think that we've seen an offseason that has kind of shown that. Uh, a lack of moves of anything that would be anything other than long-term stability moves, which which is not a bad thing necessarily, but feels like they're not really uh, stacking the deck to try and, and do anything all, all in this year. So curious to see. I, I do think Lamar shows up there. Um, at the end of the day, he has to have at least the second best year of his career. This year, he needs to be, you know, 80% plus to that 2019 productivity level. Um, I think his skill set over time has sharpened 
Very much so. I think his mechanics have sharpened very much so from when we saw a kid that couldn't accurately deliver screen passes consistently as a rookie to a guy that came out against Las Vegas this year, sharp and accurate and poised and had poised for so long until the wheels just fell off and he just couldn't do it anymore. Felt like he was nursing a couple injuries and whatever else was going on, whatever the hell else was going on behind the scenes, we'll maybe one day know, but um, I don't know. It's a, it's a weird spot. Tyler Huntley's got some experience. He's a guy that, you know, can move the ball a little bit. You've got that going for you. So in terms of talent and system, I think those things are all fine, but just really weird what's been going on uh, with him not coming to the OTAs and then just kind of quiet on all fronts. So feels very peculiar. Yeah, it's weird vibes. It's uh, a, it's essentially an unknowable situation from anyone involved except for the two parties that are directly responsible for resolving whatever it is that's going on, whether it's a contract negotiation, whether it's hesitance to negotiate for a contract between either party. Uh, it's very, very weird. Uh, and I think that's kind of the word that I'm going to keep coming back to. It might be a word that's uh, been overused ever since Bill Simmons started kind of popularizing it, this idea of weirdness. But uh, it's it's weird, man. Some of the things that have been said, this whole idea of people speaking for him, whether it's Bashadi, whether it's Calais Campbell, he doesn't think he deserves it. What the fuck is that? We've talked about that. I mean, that's that's a non-answer, and I mean, it's it's a very strange non-answer. It's one that kind of plays the weirdest into, thing you can say. Yeah, it plays into this weird like trope about like players and loyalty to an organization and that kind of stuff. And it's like, I get all that. I'm sure Lamar like to an extent thinks that way, but he's you know he's going to put his money first, I think, and well that he should. And then Lamar just, you know, not really saying anything about it and not showing up to OTAs and, you know, creating drama in that way. I mean, for as much as everyone wants to talk about how that's not a story and he can do what he wants, well, yeah, he can, but we're talking about it. So it's a story. And I don't, I don't say just we, like that's the royal we. Everyone's talking about it. The national media is talking about it. It's a thing. And if he were there, it wouldn't be a thing. So, and like, he's not really risking anything going to OTAs. So, you know, he's doing the stuff with Adam Didu, you know, shout out to Chris Berman with the do do do's. He's also like working out in an LA fitness doing leg press, which fucking we honestly gotta, made me go insane. We got to like, get Cadre. who is training you. Why are you doing that? We got to get Cadre on the case there. Got to get. Yeah, that's that's not uh Goda approved. I can promise you that. Yeah. So it, like it's just it's weird vibes, man. We, we don't know what's up. Uh, I don't think anyone really knows what's up. I mean, there there are theories floating about here and there, and, you know, we'll know more when we know more, unfortunately. We are approaching moratorium territory, but I'm almost like I have this morbid curiosity. We, can't, we did moratorium. I feel like we did it. We did it for a very long time. We didn't really ever talk about it. Yeah, I mean, and listen, there's nothing really to say, but there is, on my end, there's a morbid curiosity going on there, too. Um, he weighs 220 pounds now. Um, <laughs> see, that's the thing. We don't know what he did way before too. That's like the first time we get a weight. Well, and I remember that's he like the Najee back. Harris thing happened where everyone's like, oh, Najee Harris is 242 pounds. He was like, I was 240 pounds last year. I remember he, <laughs> nice. I remember he, uh, came back at the beginning of 2020. And that was kind of a thing when that game where he, he just looked bigger against the Browns and he had a great passing game. That game didn't really run around as much. And it's like, oh, are we approaching this uh, new phase of his career? And, I don't know. It feels like he's fluctuated a little bit since then. He's gotten sick like 40 fucking times and his weight has fluctuated and all that's going on. So it's just, uh, I don't know, man. It, you, you can sit there and 
I'm not going to say you're pissing on my head and telling me it's raining by saying that there's no story around this guy, but there's, there's something going on and hopefully we're going to find out about it. But I mean, until we know, we, we will not know. And maybe we'll get something from him at this uh, upcoming mini camp. But uh, until then, that's kind of, I guess all we can really say on Lamar. Yeah. If he is at this mini camp and has a, uh, they just need, he just needs a quiet training camp and there'll be contract talk nonstop, whatever but quiet in the sense of COVID, quiet in the sense of injury, quiet in the sense of the media kind of looking elsewhere at shinier, newer things that are not the Ravens anymore as they have not been a shiny new thing in a long time and then they were and maybe the luster's worn, they're, they're eight and nine and it's kind of, you know, ESPN's going to be there and Sal Palantonio or whoever going, you know, can the Ravens bounce back from, you know, their first losing season in the Lamar Jackson era after yeah, having historic you. injury? What was that? I was just thinking of the uh, the Bart Scott can't wait, and then Bart Bart says that and just storms off, and Sal Powell looks right at the camera and goes back to you. He just he knew right in that moment what he had. Yep, exactly. So uh, that if that's the narrative, it'll be quiet, and it kind of felt like you know, again to talk about the stupid year twenty nineteen. It was kind of quiet. It was like there was a lot of eyes on Lamar, and he was very popular and things like that, but. They just had a quiet camp. They just went about their business and there weren't a ton of injuries. And then they came out, you know, got their stuff together after about four weeks, had some highs and some lows in that first month and put in work in the off season. It feels like it paid off. Um, since then, they've had anything but that. Guys getting hurt, guys getting traded, guys, you know, missing time because of COVID, all kinds of stuff. So uh, a quiet camp goes a long way in, I think, getting Lamar to a good spot. And we'll talk about the offensive line in another episode but that's got to be a major key but uh i guess that kind of leaves it leaves it there with the quarterbacks yeah i think quiet's a good word i think there's just there's too much noise right now and he can like you know tweet at chris sims all he wants and like you know oh there's no story here people can insist to me that there's no story but just feels like there there is like the classic thing like it's like uh, there's no story hey there's no story hey i swear there's no story hey i swear there really is no story it's it's a Streisand effect. I mean, that's we're we're Barbara Streisand right now. Shout out to Duck Sauce. This is where we're at, and it's uh, it's a tough spot to be. And uh, yeah, I mean, I guess that's really all we can say on the quarterback. You got a Huntley and a Hundley in there, uh, and you know, obviously, Tyler is probably going to be the backup this year. And uh, you know, he's we, we've heard reports from camp, looking good at times, looking not so good at times. He's a backup quarterback who was undrafted a couple years ago. Not not a whole lot to say there. You know, Brett Hundley. They'll probably keep his number. Uh, I don't expect him to make the the final roster, but you know, with the, in these uncertain times, these COVID times that we're still to an extent in, you know, maybe good to have that uh, that number there. And then they've, they've got uh, Anthony Brown from Oregon also in the mix. So yeah, just a couple couple names there. Tyler's going to be the backup. Not much else to say. And we also wanted to touch on wide receiver, the position that everybody loves talking about. We thought we were out of these woods, you know. We we. We thought we were over this Charlie Brown, but we're back here. We, we've come right back to the, the bottom of the hill, like Sisyphus pushing that rock up the hill. We are now back at the other end of it. We're talking about wide receiver again. What are your thoughts? Man, just really excited for Rashad Bateman. I think that we haven't seen the Ravens have a receiver that has a balanced, a good balanced game, play in the slot, play outside, play over the middle of the field, run vertically, able to make guys miss after the catch a little bit, has nuance as a route runner and as, you know, someone 
playing in contested catch situations and, and all of those things. Um, so couldn't be more excited for him. Really stinks. Hollywood Brown is gone, um, especially as of now. You know, don't think there's a big move coming. Think maybe Bateman was more of a replacement in terms of uh, what they want production-wise or whatever for Hollywood uh, than, it, than it appeared to be pairing them together in hindsight, perhaps. So Bateman can't, couldn't be more excited for him. Other than that, man, I mean, you know, he's the guy that can go play that ISO receiver, that on-the-line beat press, three-way go receiver, win inside, win outside, you know, do it all, hopefully. And would love to see seven. If, if, if the Ravens have 17 games of Rashad Bateman and Lamar Jackson and have a fine offensive line and, and throw Mark Andrews in there, I think they can beat anyone on any Sunday. That raises in the any floor. iteration of this offense or if Greg Roman is fired or whatever, I think they can win any game. Yeah, I think that raises the floor so, so much. I think when you talk about this idea of talent versus scheme, talent versus coaching, I think if you have one or the other, your your floor is going to be in a pretty good spot. And uh, especially, I think, when it comes to having talent. I mean, I think that's kind of the deciding factor a lot of the times. And uh, I know people talk about this, you know, this idea of a ceiling with Greg Roman. You know, I, I totally get it. But like you, to your point there, I mean, if they get those guys out there healthy and ready to rock and roll. And even in a Greg Roman offense, I think the floor is like nine wins. Like I just think they're, they're too talented and they've got even a little bit of depth behind them in some of those spots, particularly at tight end. And obviously running back, there's going to be, uh, they're just going to be stronger there and stronger along the offensive line. So I just think they're kind of due for a natural bounce back right now. And I think they're going to be getting maybe not exactly that at wide receiver, but they're going to be, it's going to be an interesting year. I think uh, from the respect of, you're going to see what you got with Bateman. And I think he already kind of have seen what you got with Bateman. It was just a really small sample size and he was hurt and having some issues last year. And, uh, you know, by all accounts, it's been a very good off season for him. We haven't had any issues uh, with health uh, with him quite yet. And, uh, you know, no COVID, nothing like that. So it's been a good off season for him so far in that he's been developing chemistry with Lamar, with those practices they've been doing excited to see how they unleash that. I think that's going to be a really fun dynamic. And then, after him, this is kind of what the conversation is right now um, for our friends in roster construction Twitter uh, that are a little, uh, you know, maybe a little bogged down in this conversation. I get it, though. It's, it's, it is a concern to me, I think, because you got Bateman, you got DuVernay, who's like fine, and he can, you know, he can eat innings. You know, he's that pitcher. He, he can do that, but he's not really going to be bringing you a ton of, I'll, I'll use the word ceiling again. Uh, it's just it feels a little limited with him. You got... James Prochet, you have Tylen Wallace. I mean, these are these are names, but you're, you're really banking on a lot there. And then some of these undrafted guys that they brought in. Shamar Bridges had not heard that name before. 6'4", Fort Valley State College. Trevon Clark, 6'3", from Cal. Jalen Moore, who we know a little bit about, 5'11". Uh, Makai Polk. Benjamin Victor. Raleigh Webb, who looks like he should be playing in the PLL right now, and uh, Devin Williams from, I believe, the the Oregon kid. Devin Williams is from Oregon, and you know, a couple other guys, Slade, whoever else. I didn't mention my um, guy Slade Bolden. I think he's going to be obviously a huge contributor on this team. Very excited to see what he has to bring. Um, literally, like honestly, though, you're you're not a fan. Um, He's turning some heads. He's 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 a pro. He's going to be in camp, and he's going to have a chance to make this. He's fine. He's he's fine. To me, all those guys, you know, fine. But the the three the three that were drafted and 
are here. I think the best word to describe those three is competitive, especially Prochet. Um, I mean, really all of them. Tylen Wallace on special teams, Devin Duvernay on special teams. Devin Duvernay makes tough catches, some of those things. But those three lack game. They lack game-breaker ability, um, I think, is the, the kind of biggest concern ultimately. And it's just surprising. I, I hope that if this is what they're rolling with and this is what they have, and, and we'll talk about the tight ends another day, you know, likely and Kohler, how, how they can mix into the shuffle. But, I mean, the skill set-wise, Duvernay can take the top off. He can make tough catches. Uh, looked a lot more flexible, looked a lot more loose in and out of breaks, able to, to be more sudden in and out of breaks last year. I just am shocked by how little we've seen after the catch from him um, at all. And, and really even just with the ball in his hands, considering how dynamic he is as a returner, it hasn't translated onto the offensive side of the football, but guy that can play inside, play that flanker for you. I don't think he's the guy you want, you know, trying to go beat a number one corner up on the line of scrimmage, but we'll be in motion a good bit, whether it's short motions just to give him a little head start and identify some stuff or, whether it's you know motioning him into the backfield and, and using him as a ball fake or giving him the ball, whatever it is, then Prochet, you know, just going to be that inside guy that is tough as hell. Kind of really does remind me of Jarvis Landry a little bit. Maybe not quite as as talented, but competitive man. Hands feels like he's he's sharp. Um, haven't seen him do much after the catch yet. Hasn't had a ton of opportunity, but an area I think he's looking to to make some juice. Seems like he's one of the hardest workers in the entire building. Um, so I think they're excited for him. And then Wallace, you know, that's your boy. Wallace can play on the outside a little bit. Maybe can beat some of the press, can take the top off, maybe a touch. Um, but all three of those guys, I just throw into the, the competitive pro wide receiver three kind of bucket. And some maybe, you know, Duvernay, Prochet, Wallace all can play inside. You can ask them to do some different things on the outside a little bit but they just don't have another nuanced separator or someone that is going to get attention um, at all. You know, if Prochet wins, it's not because he's wide open, destroying man coverage. It's because he's a contested catch guy or he's sitting down against zone. So you don't need to put eyes on him. Duvernay, you know, hasn't really shown that he needs attention and we'll see with Wallace, but you know, there's guys past that. We'll see how, how OTAs and camp transpire. Jalen Moore had some nice moments. Benjamin Victor does kind of fit the profile of that kind of uh, longer ballerina on the sideline with body control and can contort his body and, and do some nice things a little bit. The rest of those guys, you know, can make some stuff up about or, you know, say a sentence about. But at the end of the day, they just don't have another game breaker. So um, a strange group, a young group. And some interesting comments from, you know, Willie Sneed, Des Bryant today as well. But it's a young group yet again. They just... Or is he, I mean, is there a younger group of receivers in the NFL? Probably not. I don't. I don't think so. So very, very strange. Yeah, it's uh, those three guys that are going to be counted on. I don't think any of them are going to be bad, which is big. Like it doesn't. This feels like kind of a far cry from when Ozzy was taking like Tandon Doss and David Reed, and it's like, oh, you know, if this guy hits, a lot of speed, you know, a lot of a lot of you know, big time ability to break plays open. And, you know, it just turned out they didn't have any hands or route running. I feel like these guys do have that, but they don't have the explosiveness. So it's going to be interesting. I think Wallace might have some of that in his, in his bag. I think Duvernay has the explosiveness, but he doesn't have the twitchiness and the fluidity. So yeah, it's just another, another low floor situation, but uh, they could be wide, re wide receiver threes to your point. Then you got uh, obviously um, guys on the open market. He's still got 
you know, Trill Fuller out there. You got Julio Jones. And then obviously uh, with Willie Sneed and, and uh, Des Bryant, you know, just <laughs> acting as these uh, fucking all the president's men reporters, just, you know, you know, exposing this Greg Roman thing yet again, just blowing the, the lid off this national story. Here we go. Um, man, it, it just feels like that's a lot of smoke. And I, I just, here we are again with, with the Greg Roman conversation and the wide receiver conversation. It just, it takes a lot out of you, doesn't it? It does. It really, it really took a lot out of me today, to be honest. But at the end of the day, what is Greg Roman's offense? He wants to run the football. He does want to use his tight ends. He does want to use his backs. He doesn't rely on, you know, 11 personnel, 10 personnel, whatever else, as much as other coordinators. Why are we still like fighting it? I mean, you want him, if you want him fired, you want him fired. I get it. That's fine. You know, they want to run the football. They've said that a thousand times in a row in the last decade and a half, as long as John Harbaugh has been here. They want to control the clock and they want to use play action to suck in the defense and throw the ball deep. That's it. Is that a wide receiver's paradise? No, it's the exact opposite. Is it, you know, something that can't win games? No. In the playoffs, they were able to do it against the Titans. They were able to go beat the team that solved them, that ran inverted cover two, and there's no answer. The Ravens don't have an answer for inverted cover two, according to Steven Ruiz and a handsome Greek guy who writes for Baltimore Beatdown. Well, they solved that puzzle. So... It looked like they had some more answers last year. They looked more competent in true passing downs. Lamar Jackson, I think, was like fourth in EPA on third and long among quarterbacks. And, and EPA is partially kind of a coordinator stat, in my opinion. That's why I like total points more so to measure a player from Sports Info Solutions. But here we are. They have young receivers yet again. And it's just this cyclical, psychotic cycle of... Young receivers in a run-first offense that has a huge playbook. If you're listening to this, I've posted the playbook five times online. If you want to go look at Greg Roman's playbook, go have a look. It's 850 pages. There's 70 different passing concepts in it. Whatever you want, it's in there. Maybe it's too big. Maybe it's too much to learn. Maybe the run game and the aspects that go into the run game are too nuanced and too much time is spent in practice to be able to go have a really masterful pass game that is nuanced with young receivers who haven't been in your system for a long time and maybe aren't a real NFL guy. So here we are. It's year four of it. And just we're here again. Uh, We thought we were done. Just when I thought I was out, they pulled me back in. So here we are. I mean, same shit, different day. And it is what it is. I don't know. Are they going to get someone? Maybe. Am I going to bank on them getting DK Metcalf or anyone that will make a real impact? No, not at all. So I don't know. I'm yeah. curious about those tight ends. Maybe they they help a little. That's that's clearly the vision. So I think this is the last year, man. If I really just to, to go back to the quarterback talk and the whole situation, if they aren't a good team, like a solidly good team. The injury stuff happened. If it happens twice, it kind of breaks you and you have to kind of press the reset button. So even if that happens, I still think it's over. If they are not a good team, a solid 11, 12 plus win team with a decently consistent offense, we might be looking at a different head coach, a different quarterback, a different world for the Ravens next year. So 
They've continued to buy into this system, buy into all of those parts, and are counting on some guys, Ronnie Stanley, the backs, you know, Lamar Jackson, some other people coming back, all of these things. And if, you know, a Mark Andrews goes down or a Rashad Bateman goes down, you're not, you're not in a good spot. So I think depth is a major issue, especially in terms of kind of high-end receiver talent and perimeter bodies. So I don't know. It's uh this is the this is the climax of the story. This is where this, you know, can go downhill and maybe need a sequel in the form of a reset or you know, the hero gets saves the girl and wins the wins the fucking AFC or something and goes and does it. So I think we're here. It's it's uh it's it's the official proverbial shit or get off the pot time with everything they have done as an organization dating back to the 2018 draft. Yeah, pretty much. And uh, excited to see how that plays out. So yeah, I guess uh, before we get out of here, um, they had Jason Pierre-Paul, JPP, in the building for a visit today. Uh, Josina Anderson, I uh, guess, did the kind of obligatory uh, tweet where you know it sounds like everything went well. We'll see what happens. Who does she know so well? She knows, she's so. I wonder if she's close with like Chad Steele or someone. Yeah, I think probably. I mean, Chad Chad talks to a lot of people from what we we know. So yeah, maybe that's it. Sounds like. <laughs> maybe that yeah maybe maybe that's who it is um where is the wise man um that was a i was going for owen wilson uh, completely, <laughs> wow completely thrown off my spot there by that but uh yeah sounds like things are at the spot where they always are after a visit sounds good we'll see what happens maybe he signs maybe he doesn't what what is a uh, What's old JPP doing for you these days? Anything? I've always loved him. He's Ever since the, he got his hand blown off, especially, I've really loved him. The, I thought it was cool uh, how he came back. The soundbite of Tom Brady in Super Bowl uh, 46, maybe, uh, the 2011, where he, I don't know why I remember this, but he's like, he's Tom Brady's on the bench in that game, and he's like, dude's long arms are so long, it's like throwing into a fucking forest, and they show JPP's arms. like <laughs> just... <laughs> swatting his ball his passes down it's uh it's he's so good at it and yeah, he has like seven eight seven and a half fingers and still like picked off a couple balls and stuff it's it's fun it's fun yeah it does um, he's, he's sneaky like not that old for a guy who's been around i think long. he's like 31 let's see jason pierre paul is 33 oh yeah older than houston i think he's been around for really long like he, he got I would be fine him. with him. I would prefer Houston slightly, but I don't think there's I don't know. Houston was good last year. In my opinion, he was like top two, three defenders on the Ravens, and JPP had a down year. So I don't know. I think the Aiden Ches, I believe, is the Twitter handle said earlier when I said I would prefer just would prefer Houston to JPP. He was like probably just doing due diligence in case they can't have Justin Houston. And he signs elsewhere before that uh, that deadline, which I think is the twenty second of July, if I'm not mistaken. So, I think he's option B, but maybe not. I don't know. Yeah, could be. I think maybe uh, they bring him both. Who knows? Yeah, that would be I, a, a very I, deep veteran plus some young talent front. I honestly think it could be both. I think with you know they're they're going to be banking on Ojabo. I think ideally at some point this season, but like maybe you know, yeah, I mean you can just pup him and then you're good to go. Yeah, you could you could you're you're going to pup him, but uh, yeah, I mean in the meantime, why not give yourself a little you know 
a couple legitimate options there at pass rush, and he didn't have a great year last season, but he's been battling injuries. He was good before that, so yeah, it's a you know it might be a due diligence. I love saying let's pup him. That's like like don't know football at all. Yeah, let's pup him. They should. So they've got the they've got the pup list. Do you think they should? I want to get pupped. Do Do you think they should also alternatively have a suds list? Yes. 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 You got. Obviously, Team Pup and Team Suds. Have you seen this movie, Brink? You, you heard about this? Skate Better, that whole thing. So, yeah, you know, they, they'll put him on the pup. I couldn't tell you the Brink main character, but I, it's on the tip of my tongue. He's so tan. He's got the nice, long, little slicky-backy 90s. Andy Brink Brinker. Andy Brinker. There we go. Yeah. Slick back hair, white bathing suit. Shout out Tony Hawk cameo. Yeah. <laughs> What a, what a great movie. I got, actually, Max Homa, noted PGA Tour pro, was talking about that uh, movie today. Uh, I think in relation to the, the Saudi golf stuff, but I, I, I don't totally know. But that, that really brought back a wave of memories. What a really good Disney Channel original movie. What, a, what an era. What a time to be alive and watch the Disney Channel original films on Disney Channel. It really was. We're, we're blessed to have been in that time and place in the universe. But, uh, yeah, that's, that's JPP. Uh, not really sure. Talking pups. I want to get, let's get popped this weekend. Yeah, we, we will. We, if you're listening to this, I hope you go get popped. Yeah, go get popped. Uh, I wanted to bring this up from a friend of the show, Eric. Look how good Eric looks in that little thumbnail. You're ugly now, Eric. Yeah, you're old he, and ugly. He's listen. He's just he's. You were hot when you were young, Eric. And that's many years of many years of being a father just wearing on him. Did we? Talk many years of being Adley Rushman's father has just taken a toll. He looks like Adley Rushman's son in that picture they took together, where he's clenching his fist, which is maybe my favorite thing in the world. Um, but yeah, I mean, Orioles going to be moving to Nashville by the sound of it. Pennsylvania. Yeah. Na- Nashville, Pennsylvania, which is a 13 hour walk from my house. I've been having so much fun watching the Orioles this year. This is such a stupid thing of the Kendall, the Roy family, the Baltimore Roy family, as you somewhat alluded to, of just born on these. I'm just imagining the, I mean, don't know them. Maybe they're great guys. I don't know. Father was a horrible owner for a little while. And now he's, you know, Fading off into the the proverbial sunset, but uh, just classic. It feels like born on third. Think they hit a triple and trying to rip the Orioles out of Baltimore as soon as they're like fun again after the worst stretch of Orioles baseball. I guess it. I guess in history. I mean, we, they were so bad when we were like ten. They were so horrible for so long, but they were more of like a seventy-five win bad, seventy win bad than uh, than what they have been the last two years. So uh, just. Please, God, don't take them anywhere. It sounds like that's not actually happening, but it's just been a little... Maybe the writer of that article just decided to, you know, thumb that in there as something that was whispered about like 18 months ago. No, that was that was actually named in the suit. So that's that's what Louis Angelos is saying John Angelos is doing. So Louis Angelos is suing his brother and saying like he's, you know, basically wrested control of the organization from him because his father wanted them both to have control. And he's saying, like, yeah, he's taking it for his own purposes. His wife is based in Nashville. so And that was only, like, a small footnote of it. I don't think he's, like, anyone's insinuating that it's going to happen, but they're just saying that it's a possibility if John is going to be, like, taking all this control of it. But, yeah, it sounds like it's not going to. And I've, I was texting with RDT about it a little bit. And uh, his most recent texts were sports books going into Dempsey's renovating. There's the $1.2 billion of renovations going into Ravens and – Camden Yards. Yeah, he said the renovating next, the upper like deck and party deck, spending way too much money on the park for them to up and leave. And I don't. They also have a lease through 2023, and which, I think they have to resign through 2025. 
with a with a five year buffer after that, something like that, very soon. Yeah, as he well. says I don't think MLB would allow it either, which I'm inclined to agree with. I it just it, there's a couple teams that would probably move before them too. I mean, the fucking Angels are drawing less fans somehow, and they're like a competitive team year in and year out. Um, so yeah, it's. It's tough. I mean, it's it's not a good look. I, I I talked about this. Like, there are people that whenever something bad happens with the Orioles that are more slanted towards the Ravens that are like, uh, Ravens do everything right, Orioles do everything wrong. I kind of don't like being that person, but it just it's it's tough to have ownership putting you in a bad spot, like look wise, like PR wise as a fan. Like, I could not imagine being a Washington fan just for the idea of having to deal with Daniel Snyder. And this isn't quite Snyder-esque, but it's just it feels like dirty laundry being aired. The, the Angelos family has always, in my mind, drawn a parallel to the Snyders in terms of being, uh, uh, what is the right term? Fickle and penny-pinching and just not doing business in a way that feels good. As a, as a franchise owner, and they're just a close shot to each other. So I will say, I've, I 100% can, can resonate with that. I will say, I, I've always thought that they've had their hearts in the right place for the most part. I think Dan Snyder is just a fucking scumbag. Um, these guys, yeah. the Angelos, I've heard John give some interviews. I think he's actually like a little bit more smart and a little, maybe a little bit more progressive than you would expect for a billionaire son. I don't really know anything about Peter um, outside of what we've seen from the business. And I, I don't even know anything about Louie really either. This is kind of the first I'm hearing. Or Lewis is maybe how you say it. I don't know. But yeah, I don't know. It's I served one of them. I'm not sure which one. I was a server at Izumi in college quite some years ago. And I uh, I served one and he was so nice. Such a gentleman. So kind and uh, gratuitous. So whichever one that was, please keep the Orioles in Baltimore. Yeah, I, I hope so. It, it just feels like it's another situation. And, and the whole Masson stuff that went on with them trying to shortchange the Nationals as the Nationals are like blowing it out of the park, winning World Series, being a 90-plus win team consistently, like, whew. Yeah, it's, and, like, I mean, the Masson app is terrible, apparently. I don't even fucking get Masson on Dish, so I have to illegally stream these games, which has just been, you know, it's it hasn't been that bad this year because I found a good source, but it's just, it's still, it's brutal. Like, I and that's not, that's more of an MLB problem at this point than it is just them, but it just speaks to, speaks to sort of my the state of where my mind is at with the Orioles and MLB right now. I just, it's take it all away, like, or make it better at least. Please. And thanks. All these great players coming up right now. Guy Gunnar Henderson up at triple a, you know, guys doing so well. Colton Kowser killing it immediately. Looks like a fast track player. So many arms. DL Hall may be able to come up just like, don't that, that, that is like a evil kind of edging to do to a mid twenties male that has, Mid I'm late 20s now. I had to grow up with the dog shit Orioles my entire life. We had 20, what, 11 through 14, whatever it was, where they were good. That was a fantastic time in my life. I've had three good years of Orioles teams in my entire life. So don't take that away from me. Just let me, let me, uh, let's, let's see what happens here. Give me, give me a couple years at least to the Elias years. Give me the Elias years. And I'm, I need that in my life. Just or, let me or have don't that. Give please. me the, don't give me the shit mountain of the first four years of Elias where they're losing on purpose and losing historically on purpose. And then when they finally start to bear fruit, don't put this in front of me. Just say hey, I'm counting on the Orioles. Somebody, whichever one of these Angelos's Angeli, you know, they probably can't even speak on this. Angeli is pretty sick. I'm yeah. Come out and say, 
no, we're not moving. You just come out and say it. Like, I'm, I'm tired of all this corporate whitewash, can't offend anyone, can't say anything, can't do it, you know, can't, can't comment on this, can't talk about that. There's ongoing litigation. You're very familiar with that phenomenon. I'm tired of it. Come out and come out and take a stand and say the right thing. We're going to, we are honorary in July and we have a say here. Jake and I have a say. We have, we have, we have votes at the board and uh, we're voting. No, we're voting. We're voting to stay. We're voting to uh, get a, get an all-star game back in Smalltimore and we're voting for the Orioles to let us enjoy all of these prospects come up. I'm going to get the family together. I'm going to call a vote of no confidence against dad. I'm going to take over the organization. We're going to leverage the fuck out of it. It's going to be the synergy right now. is just optimal. And I can really feel the streamlined workflow flowing through my veins. I said all bangers all the time. You, me, Henry fucking Kissinger. What the fuck? Uh, yeah. So that's what's going on there. You little Uh, slime puppy. Yeah, just a, a bizarre a bizarre start to summer in sports here in Charm City, which sucks because the Orioles or the on field product has been pretty fun, you know, for most of this year. As soon as we're done here, I'm about to go watch this game, and I don't feel like playing bore on the floor, John. And I really don't. Peter, I don't. I'm not playing bore on the floor. I've played enough bore on the floor as an Orioles fan in my life, and I'm not doing it again. Yeah, to, to take it all away, the bore on the floor. We're we're not doing that. Uh, okay. That's, you know, that's enough. That's you talking got, baseball. That's the boys talking baseball. Talking to Orioles. Yeah, we're, we'll, we'll give you all the all the great baseball analysis that uh, you don't get anywhere else. But, um, yeah, anything else before we get rolling here? I uh, took a little took a little football hiatus, I think. Been been letting it cool off a little, you know. Letting, letting things play out a little bit. I'm excited. I'm excited for the summer. I'm excited for the fresh-cut grass. The smell is going to get here soon. That, uh, that tingles me in my plums, deep in my loins. And I'm excited to see what happens. Again, I think it's uh, I think it's just a very uh, very climatic moment in the history of the Baltimore Ravens about to happen in this 2022 season. There's a lot on the line in many ways. And last time they were in that situation was a, a pretty good result, I would say, 2012. So let's see, uh, see if Johnny Boy can get things together, get it all tight like a Toyga and hit it out of the park. So we're, we're stepping into the beginning phases here. OTAs voluntary over mandatory here, mini camp and then camp. And we'll see a couple, a couple mergers and acquisitions potentially on the way. And we got Raven Ron here ravaging alcoholic. If I take Orioles game seriously, (laughs) all right, does it well, but that's it. That's all for me. I'm excited. Yeah, I you know I am I am as well. I think uh, it, it is necessary to to get off the the football train at times on the on the calendar. I was already T and I were texting for like an hour today. I was getting my oil changed. We were just talking about all sorts of stuff, just kind of catching up. And it was like, yeah, like I can't I can't fully engage with this stuff like year round. Like, I, and we love all our hitters in the Twitter spaces and everything, but you guys have an energy for this shit in early June that I don't always. It's admirable. Uh, and so, yeah, you know, we'll talk about it on the podcast. And well, already you should get in a, you should get in a Twitter space, man. Cause I'll, I promise you the energy never dies in the flock. Uh, yeah. I mean, listen, they're, they're our, they are our people and they are absolutely killing it. And I'm happy for them that they're happy. Uh, but I'll save it for these airwaves. Let's, let's just do that. But, uh, yeah, thanks for joining me, bud. I, you know, it's, it's been an eventful couple weeks for you, obviously. So hopefully this returned you to some semblance of normalcy. 
talking to me. I'm I'm st- I'm 28. I'm about to turn 29. But this this past like week and a half is t- I'm I'm 30 now. I'm 30. So I'm You're a grown ready. man here. I'm not 40. I'm not a grown man to that extent, Jeff Gundy. But I'm here. I'm ready. It's gonna be uh it's gonna be chill boy summer from here on out. It is for at least be. the next day or two. It's gonna be a very chill boy summer for the next week until you go to vacation in the outer banks and you lose your phone in the ocean or something and you know god knows what's going to happen down there but uh yeah thank you all for listening uh we really appreciate it we will talk to you again at some point next week in the meantime follow the show on social media at podcast beatdown on twitter you can follow me at jake luke that is l-o-u-q-u-e you can follow gentle spend crankshaw at ravens four dummies that's the number four in the middle there Thank you guys for listening. We'll talk to you again very soon. See ya. Arrivederci. Where is the wise man? Where is the scholar? Where is the philosopher of this age? Super Bowl out of me. Need that. Need that.